Amen. Woo! This is live. Good morning, people of God. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful day the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I'm back. I appreciate you clapping. <laughs> Way better than moans and groans. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for, my, uh, for your thoughts and prayers with my time away. The six weeks uh, was a wonderful time to unplug. And now I know why a typical sabbatical is 12 weeks long, because it goes by very quickly. Uh, but it's, it's so wonderful uh, uh, to be back in the saddle again, to be with you all this morning, uh, and just let's get after it. Okay, uh, uh, so uh, good morning to you joining us online as well. We will be celebrating Holy Communion, so hopefully as you walked in this morning, you received your communion kit. Did anyone not? Awesome. And for those of you at home, grab some bread and wine or grape juice following our sermon time this morning. We've got a lot of announcements I want to chew through here. It's going to be, I don't know, we're going to be here a while this morning, so just kind of settle in. Thankful we got some new cushions on these seats, right? Uh, there's a ministry fair following worship today. So before you leave, instead of running out to the parking lot, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to invite you to take a turn to the right and head to the fellowship hall. We've got tables set up. There's a couple, uh, I think there's drinks available, things like that, but just uh, ministry tables of different things that are going on here at church um, that you may or may not be aware of, but ways that you can be more engaged and plugged in and just know what kind of some of the things that we are doing here at King of Kings. Maybe even feel free to sign up for a thing or two if the Spirit so moves you. Our Wednesday night programming is back in full effect once again, so we've got classes. We've got Fuse for 4th through 6th graders. We've got confirmation for our 7th and 8th graders. We've got an adult Bible study going on as well. Uh, and so check out our website for more information on all of that. I wanted to lift up uh, some celebrations here, okay? So last Sunday, uh, we had 34 participants join in the Head for the Cure, okay? Which is the walk slash run uh, for the fight against brain cancer. 34 of our members participated in that, or friends, uh, I believe we had four people who placed uh, in their particular age brackets. Uh, I'm assuming Phil got a gold medal again. Third place! <laughs> That's awesome. Well, how awesome is that? Uh, uh, but we raised uh, $3,460 for the fight against brain cancer. Awesome. And uh, I believe we were the fourth largest group in the state of Michigan to participate in that event as well. So how awesome is that? That continues to grow. So thank you for your support. For those of you who joined in on that or supported financially, that's awesome. I uh, also have to mention three weeks ago we had an outdoor worship service where, where uh, we had a, a food truck ministry come. So a few years back, we raised some extra monies by the end of the year, and we, offer, or we gave $4,000 to help purchase this food truck because it was a brand new ministry. Uh, they were going to be going around to underprivileged areas, giving free meals, having Bible studies, things like that. Uh, and you all helped make that happen, okay? 
towards purchasing that truck. Well, they came and they served us three Sundays ago. And not only did we support them as a church, but we also raised, I think, over $1,000 in addition to what our church gave them to continue to help uh, uh, provide those meals and uh, share those relationships with underprivileged people. So amen to that. Yes, that's awesome. Also want to mention, this last Friday, we had our first annual, right, Sue? Okay, first and only <laughs> uh, golf event. So, um, gosh, when was it? A couple months ago, we had the Marion Medical Mission uh, uh, captain or, or a person involved in that come and share with us about what they do. They build clean wells for third world countries, especially in Africa. And for about 450 bucks, they can build a well that's comprised of PVC pipes and cement and all this stuff, and it's amazing, right? Well, Sue got inspired by that and uh, rallied the troops. We had an amazing group of adults who all came together Friday to put on a golf event. And uh, I, it was, we raised over $7,000? Yeah, over eight. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's three more checks coming, and it'll be over $8,000, which means over 16, at least 16 new wells are going to be created. 16, uh, or maybe even 18, 18 uh, new communities are going to have clean water somewhere. Families, livestock. I mean, imagine the life that brings for generations to come, and we all got to be a part of that. So amen to that, right? Woo! All right. Let's take all that excitement. We also, uh, you're in for a treat. We have a children's lesson today as well. Since uh, Sunday school rooms are kind of taken with our other event, we thought we'd bring the kids in today. So uh, right after our songs and our prayer, we're going to invite the kids to come forward to share in a lesson as well. Let us pray. Holy God, open our ears and our hearts today throughout this worship and throughout the rest of our day. Allow us to hear and to feel your promises of love and hope and renewal. Rekindle our hearts to, to what is right and good for us and good for your people. We ask all this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, Amen. I invite you to find your seats and I invite Pastor Kelsey to come forward along with uh, any of you kids out there. Come on. Meet me right here in the middle. I'm going to sit on this chair, and if you can find a square on the floor where you can sit crisscross, that would be great. Good morning. It's good to see everybody. I brought something with me today because I'm going on a trip in a week. What is your favorite place to go on a trip to? Penny. Library. <gasps> the library! Yes, I love going to the library. Evie. Where? Mexico. Mexico. Whoa, that would be an amazing place to go on a trip. Yes. Disney World. Disney World. Yes. Where do you like to go on a trip, Theo? Yeah. To the park. Yes. Elliot? To the lake house. Yes. I'm taking a trip to the Upper Peninsula. Theo and I are going to be going in a week. We're driving all the way up to the very tippy top of the Upper Peninsula. But when... <laughs> yeah, we're not taking Pastor Dave with us. <laughs> we're leaving him behind. So we 
always have to pack and be ready for a trip, right? Even if it's to the library, we probably have a book bag that we put together before we go. If we're going to Disney World, you probably need to pack special things. What's one thing that you feel you absolutely have to take when you're going on a trip or going on a journey? Yes. What? A glove? Oh, love. Oh, yes. Yes. Very good. Yes. A backpack. Yes. Clothes. Yes. Yes, your library card. Yes. Well, here's one thing that I always take on a trip, although it doesn't usually look like this, but I always have to have this when I go on a trip. A map. Now, I don't use a paper map like this. I use my phone. I even use my phone when I know where I'm going. I still put it into my map because I like to have it. What does a map do when we're going on a trip or a journey? Why do we need a map? Yes, sir. So you don't get lost. That, yeah, you nailed it. Yes, Theo. Yes, so you can go in the car and know where you're going. Well, this map is just for a place that's right around here. But I was thinking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I think that being a follower of Jesus is kind of like being on a trip or being on a journey. Because there's a lot of things that we need to do that keep us safe and keep us on the road and not getting lost when we're on our journey. And we're walking with Jesus, learning how to live and be his disciples in the world. But we don't have a map like that as journeyers with Jesus. What do we use as our guide, our map, when we're journeying with Jesus? What, what would be something that we have to use? Yeah. Our mind, very good. What does our mind look at or read or use to learn about our journey with Jesus? What do you think, Theo? Pokemon cards? I'm going to have to try that. That's a new one. Well, I have one more thing in my suitcase. Maybe someone can open up and reach inside of it for me. Let's see, Penny. We'll have Miss Penny come up. You reach in there and you're going to pull out. It's our map for journeying with Jesus. No, the Bible. Oh, yes. It's the Bible. The Bible is our map. And it's not about getting us to one destination. It's about the fact that we're on a road. We're on a path. We're on a journey. And the Bible keeps us from getting lost. It helps us to know that we are found by Jesus, loved by Jesus, no matter where we go. So this morning, if you come and see me in the fellowship hall, if you're in need of a new Bible, I want to make sure you have the right Bible for all your Bible classes this year because we're offering lots of different ways to journey with Jesus this year. So don't forget, just like we need this map when we're on our journey, we need the Bible when we're on our journey with Jesus. Will you pray with me? Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word that helps us stay on the path. Help us to know when we're feeling lost, we can open the Bible and you will meet us there with every promise we need. Amen. All right, everybody, thanks for coming up. I'll see you in the back after church.
All right, and now for the older children's lesson for today. <laughs> Sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as I said earlier, uh, you may need to buckle up, right? Get comfortable. I've got six weeks worth of sermons that I'm going to cram into one this morning, so cancel your afternoon plans. I, you'll find the Lions game on uh, some recording later. Hope your kids have your PJs on. <laughs> but let's dig in. I want to start with a question. Isn't it true that the middle is many times a hard place to be in, right? That, you know that saying, we're all, when, when you're having a hard time, you're stuck in the middle, right? We, we know that all too well. A lot of you here today probably know this all too well, especially if you are a middle child. By show of hands out there, how many of you are middle children? Amen. Well, today is your day. Right? For the first time in maybe your lifetime, someone has recognized and noticed you. Yes! Right? (laughs) I mean, maybe some of you didn't even raise your hand because you were thinking, well, why would it even matter? No one's going to notice if I raise my hand. Because we all know the oldest is the one who gets everything first, especially the attention. We all know that the baby gets anything they want. And for the rest of us, we're just stuck in the middle. I've never once heard anyone say, I wish I was a middle child. Never once! Or when there's an argument going on and two people or two groups of people, right, they're having this controversy, they might come to you and say, well, what do you think? And isn't our first thought typically, oh, don't put me in the middle of this. No way. I don't want to be stuck in the middle. How many of you have gotten on an airplane before? Yes. And we all know, I mean, now they kind of tell you your seat choice beforehand, but before they did that, you all know, when you were walking onto that plane, what was the only thought that was on your mind? Don't put me in that seat. I don't want to be in the middle, right? It's bad enough I have to rub elbows with one, peer, one person, but two people, not the middle. I won't even get into what finger is the worst, I mean, we're not even talking about that. We all know, right? Or how about a road trip? Love the beginning. Super excited to be heading out, right? Woo, let's go. Minnesota or bust. You probably wouldn't say Minnesota, but I would. Or at the end of a road trip, right? Oh, we made it. But the middle of a road trip? Don't even get me started at how many times I've heard, are we there yet? How much longer? I have to go to the bathroom. And that's just from my wife. (laughs) Add four more kids on top of that, right? The middle can be tough. And sometimes it gets a bad rap. But despite that today, I want to take you to the middle of God's Word. To a book called Psalms. Now, some people might call it psalms because it starts with a P, but but here the P is silent, which is how it always should be. 
<laughs> Somebody got it. All right. The book of Psalms is primarily a collection of songs, 150 of them. So like I said, buckle up. We've got a long ways to get. Th- okay, I won't do all 150. But I've decided that I love the fact that this particular book is in the middle of the Bible. Because it's not like the, the middle of a road trip or the, the middle seat on an airplane. Here it's actually good to be in the middle it's like the heartbeat of God's word, where a lot of the emotion is. I mean, you get, this is the book where you get a chance to feel what the authors are talking about. And I can't help but wonder if maybe it was intentionally put in the middle to help us get through the middle of some of the hard things in life. It's written by people who were going through the middle of things that they didn't want to be going through. They found themselves in places where they didn't want to be. In fact, you might even notice in a bunch of the Psalms, you'll find words like even if, or even though, or even when. Like saying, you know, I I really don't want to be here. I don't want to be in the middle of this. But even if, or even so. So we're going to look at one particular story. It's kind of a lengthier story. Where we find the phrase, even though. We're going to focus on this today. Even though things are not so great when we find ourselves in the middle, even though though life isn't perfect and maybe in the places we don't want to be, you and I, this is my prayer for, for for all of us here, you and I can have a faith that grows even though. Our faith isn't contingent upon people or places or lives being perfect. Our faith is meant to grow even though. Far too often we get this idea or thought or mentality that, you know, I'll let my faith grow when things go the way that I know they should go. So that's when it'll grow, you know? If it's going our way, things are good. It makes us feel like our faith must be strong. But you throw some obstacles in our way when life gets more difficult, challenging, when things happen that we weren't planning for. Nope, we're out the door, right? Not of here. I don't want to be stuck in the middle of this. But I believe that your faith, that my faith, that our trust and confidence in God can grow even though we may be in the middle of things. To give an example of this, we're going to read some scripture, feed on God's word this morning, right out of the book of Peace Psalms. Right? So, uh, let me give, uh, I guess, I guess when you consider the first half of the Bible being long, I'm going to give you a short uh, back story, if you will, a little setup for the story that we're going to read today. So uh, by show of hands out there, how many of you have heard of the the man named Moses? Okay. I'm not going to go that far back, but I'm just going to mention here. So Moses uh, uh, is sent to Pharaoh to release the slaves of the Israelites who are captives in slavery in Egypt, right? Moses leads God's people out of there. And for a generation, they're wandering through the wilderness, and he almost gets them. He gets them to the border of the promised land. And then Joshua takes over and yada, yada, yada. But they eventually get to the promised land. 
They're setting up shop and they're looking around at every other nation around them and they all have kings. And so once they are established, they turn to God and they say, God, we want a king now. And God says, no, you don't. And they said, no, God, we really, really want a king. And God kind of relents and says, all right, you want it, you got it. I'm going to give you Saul as your first king. And Saul is a, a fairly decent king, at least for a little while, until eventually he learns to no longer trust God. And so God says, I'm done with Saul. Let's anoint a new one. Let's bring in David. David will be your next king. So David, a shepherd boy at the time, gets anointed to be the next king, but he doesn't become king right away. In fact, he's brought into Saul's court. He's a musician. He plays the harp to kind of soothe and calm Saul when he gets ramped up, right? And Saul likes David for a while. I think he adopts him as his own son. Until some things start to happen. As the years go by, one day they come back from a battle, right? And, and people are gathering around the, the army coming home and start singing, right? They start singing about Saul. Oh, Saul, you killed your thousands, right? And Saul's like, oh, I like that song. I love that song. That's a good song. And then David comes in after, and that same crowd starts singing, and David, your ten thousands. And Saul is like, I don't like that song at all. That's an awful song. I hate that song. In fact, I can see David's going to be a problem, so I'm going to get rid of David. So the next thing you know, here's David, anointed to be king, and now running for his life, running through the wilderness in the middle of a moment he does not want to be in. Now, I don't know how many cave moments that you've had, wilderness moments that you've had in your life Moments that you found yourself in, in places you don't want to be. Maybe there's a situation weighing heavy on you. You don't want it. You don't like it. You can't see how to get rid of it. Well, that's where we find David today, stuck in the middle of a very bad time. And it's here where he writes some of these songs or psalms that we have in the middle of our text, in the middle of our Bibles. So we first catch him up in Psalm chapter 18, verse 6. Put that on the screen where David says this. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Now, I don't know what your prayers sound like when you're stuck in the middle, or even if you do pray when you're in the middle. But my invitation and reminder for you today is that when you feel stuck in the middle of something, when life feels heavy, God promises to hear you in the middle. Everyone repeat after me, God hears me. Let that sink in for a moment. It needs to sink in because there, I know there are times, maybe you're in one of these times today, when you're thinking... I don't know if God hears me. I don't know if God is listening. I don't even know if God cares. Well, let David today from his cave in that wilderness stuck in the middle of his moment be that reminder for you today that when you cry out to God, 
God hears you. Second thing I want to remind you of today is that sometimes when, when you're in the middle, you need some encouragement. Everyone say, I need encouragement. Oh, we all do. I truly believe that if you need encouragement, when we cry out to God, God responds by sending encouragement. Maybe it comes in that roadmap that we call the Bible. Maybe it comes directly from God in in that prayer. Maybe it comes from someone around you. Look what happens to David. So he's in his wilderness moment, stuck in the middle, and he's got a buddy, his friend Jonathan, who just so happens to be the son of King Saul. Okay? Jonathan is with David. And here's what Jonathan says to David in 1 Samuel. Jonathan says this. Don't be afraid, for the hand of my father Saul shall not find you. He's not going to get you. You shall be king over Israel, and I'll be your second. My father Saul also knows this is so. He's basically saying, whoa, David, things are not going to stay this way. You've got a future, God's part of it, and I'm right here with you. We got this, right? He gets that encouragement to not lose hope. I mean, can you imagine the feelings that David must have been experiencing in that moment, being stuck in the middle of that? Fearing for his life, dealing with the despair and the depression, and then his best friend shows up and says, we've got this. I'm with you. Have you had a person do that for you in your lifetime? It's life-changing, isn't it? Have you been that person for someone else? That's life-changing as well. We need encouragement in the middle. And I'll tell you what, it starts with God. God is the first one saying, I've got you. You're not alone. You're amazing. We're going to do this. So to meet God, cry out in prayer, right? Listen for that voice. Hear that encouragement, especially when you're in the middle. And here's the thing. Everyone is in the middle of something today. Everyone. Look around you at all the people in the seats, you people at home. Think of the people in your lives. Everyone is in the middle of something. We have that in common. We are always in the middle of something. And when you're in the middle of something, two things are going to happen. You're either going to get bitter or you're going to get better. Period. This is where I was before taking these last six weeks off for a sabbatical. I felt squeezed in the middle of what felt like a thousand different things going on in my life. And instead of crying out and turning to God and listening for God's encouragement, the middle was making me bitter. It was really easy to just get, in, get, to get crabbier about the things that were going on because there wasn't a window or a light at the end of the tunnel. And if it was, it was probably a Mack truck, right? And I obviously didn't want to get bitter. I wanted to get better. So through God's help, God put people in my life. My amazing spouse, uh, uh, other members that we had conversations, they helped me get pointed to a therapist who has been life-changing for me. And that's where I found that encouragement. And shockingly, now I feel better, right? So two questions for you today. Do you need encouragement? Are you sitting there in your seat going, yeah, 
been overwhelming. This whatever I'm stuck in the middle of right now is awful. I'm not feeling any hope today. If you're the one needing encouragement, reach out to God in prayer and God will put someone in your life to give you encouragement. I firmly believe that. And my second question is this. Maybe you're not in the middle of something really hard right now, so who in your life needs some encouragement? Right? You would be, you'll be the answer to someone else's prayer by reaching out to them. So send that text. Send that letter in the mail. Make that phone call today. You may not even realize that someone else is in the middle of something weighing heavy on their soul, and you could be that voice of encouragement. So that's an important reminder today. We all need encouragement. Well, back to our story. As David continues, he writes another song from the middle, Psalm 59. And I'm just going to paraphrase this because it's a whole chapter, right? So it's just, it, I, it, I appreciate where Dave's coming from on this, okay? So the whole chapter is basically like this. He says, Rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who come to destroy me. Wake up and punish those hostiles. Show no mercy to those wicked ones, those traitors. And then he says, Well, don't kill them because everyone forgets the lessons. Maybe just stagger them. Bring them to their knees, O Lord. And then just a few verses later, he completely throws that out the window and says, you know what? Never mind all that. Destroy them. Destroy them with your anger. Completely wipe them out, God. And he's like, God, get them. Second thoughts. Don't stagger. Kill them. And then after that part, he then finishes with these words. But as for me... I will sing about your power. Each morning I'll sing about your unfailing love, for you have been my refuge, my place of safety. When I'm in distress to you, I will sing my praises to the God who shows me unfailing love. And I mention this particular psalm because that's just real and raw, isn't it? I mean, you can feel the emotion that David's going through. And maybe you've been there when you're in the middle of something. God, God, rescue me. You know what? No, just wipe out whoever's causing this problem. That would be so much better. But even in the midst of those real and raw emotions of frustration and anger and depression and sadness and and being hurt and vengeful, he still stumbles upon and falls back on something amazing. David lands on this truth that God is his refuge, the one who brings victory. David can't fix this all himself. He acknowledges that he can't get himself out of the middle. So he turns to God, and this changes everything in this story. When David turns to God, he starts to believe that God is his source of victory, the one who can get him through the middle, and it changes how he behaves, changes his decisions, changes his attitude and personality, even though he's still stuck in the middle. He has every right to stay bitter. I mean, we all know that we have done some dumb stuff when we're stuck in the middle, amen? And you're like, oh, maybe... I've made some poor decisions when I'm hurt. 
I've said things that I shouldn't have said. I've felt in ways that led me to more bitterness. I've hurt others. I've tried things to, to fix myself or to make the pain go away. We lash out. We forget things like respect or integrity or decency. Look at our country right now. And with what happens next in our story, David totally has this opportunity to take matters into his own hands and do something that he would very likely regret. There's this famous cave scene where Saul is out hunting David. He's out to kill him, looking for him in all the caves in the wilderness, and Saul has to use the restroom, as we all do when we're hunting down our enemies, right? So he goes into this particular cave, which just so happens to be the cave where Dave and his men are hiding. Can you imagine that moment where his men are like, oh, oh, David, oh, that's Saul. Here's your chance. You can end all of this. Just take out your knife, kill him, and we're done. We're out of the middle, man. This is your chance. And then Saul disrobes and he goes to the restroom, right? But instead of killing him, making that regrettable decision, David keeps his trust in God, that God will get him through it all. He sneaks over and cuts just a piece, like the hem of his robe off, and then goes back. And you can just imagine the reactions from David's men when he comes back and David's like, yo, I got a piece of cloth, And they're like, that's great, Dave. You know, I'm not even going to call you David right now. You're just Dave. What are you doing, man? Take him out. Let's get out of the middle. We're in a cave right now in the wilderness. I don't want to be in the middle. Let's end it now. But he doesn't. Instead, David waits for Saul to leave. He follows him out and says this. Scripture tells us, See my father, see the corner of the cloak in my hand, for by the fact that I cut off the corner of your cloak and didn't kill you, you may know for certain that there's no wrong or treason in my hand. I haven't sinned against you, even though you are hunting me to take my life. You hear that even though? It's a big even though. Even though you are the reason I'm stuck in the middle. Even though you are the reason for my life. Even though I hate being this way. I'm going to trust God to get me through it. And it's here where David learns waiting on God is more important than winning in the moment. He wasn't just trying to win here. He was trying to trust God with his whole life, which leads us to what I think is the biggest lesson for you here today. I know right now you're thinking, oh, when is this going to be done, right? Okay, if you get nothing else out of our message for today, David teaches you this today, that getting something out of the middle is more important than getting out of the middle. I need to say that again because... That's important for us to learn. Honestly, I think that was the message that most resonated with my heart over these past six weeks. It's a message we need to hear every day of our lives moving forward. That getting something out of the middle is more important than getting out of the middle. 
And I get all too well that we hate being in the middle. We just want to feel good again. We want to get past the hardships, be done with the hurt and the pain and the frustrations. But here's the thing. Nearly everything throughout this pandemic, endemic, whatever you want to call it, has been more intense. Mental health issues are going through the roof. We are more emotional. We're more tired. We're more angry, depressed, and frustrated. I'm a firm believer our entire nation, if not the entire world, is dealing with post-traumatic stress. I see all your heads nodding, so I know that's a fact. We are in the middle. Even though we're trying to say, oh, it's all done. Nah. We're stuck in the middle. And we want it to stop, and we want to get out of that middle. But, what if we take a really deep breath right now? Everyone take a really deep breath. And instead of putting all of our thoughts and energies into escaping and getting out of the middle... What if we spent more time on what we can get out of the middle? What if you and I can use our middle experiences and learn to depend on God more? Or as an opportunity to let someone else into your life? Or as a way to enter into someone else's life? And typically when we feel stuck in the middle, we ask questions like, Why is God doing this to me? This is awful. Why would, God's cause, why would God cause this to happen? Especially to me, or to my loved one, or to someone I know. But what if instead we asked different questions? Questions that my brilliant therapist has been ask, asking me. Questions like, well, what is God leading me to learn right now? What if this isn't happening to me, but it's happening for me? What if this is an opportunity for me to get something out of this particular middle? I mean, just even asking these questions have helped me become far less bitter and way more better. I just said more better. That's awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> so just to wrap up our story, David goes on to be king. He's definitely flawed. He makes mistakes. He makes some very bad decisions, right? He still finds himself stuck in the middle of things throughout his entire life. But he learns that throughout all of it, God is good. God hears him when he cries out. God is the first one to give him the encouragement that he needs. And that God can use the middles to draw him closer and to cause new life to happen. And that's good for us to hear today. May you be encouraged to do the same. May you cry out to God today to share your heart, whatever middle you are going through, to listen for that encouragement. And whatever middle you may find yourself in today, tomorrow, or whenever, may you trust that God walks with you, cheering you on, helping you to look for something to get out of that middle, to cause you to grow, to cause your faith to thrive even though. Let us pray. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for the gift of today. It is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Use this day, your message here, this scripture, these songs, this time to be with you. Use it to change our lives, to change our perspective on everything going on around us. Refuse to let us stay as victims and now kind of more as agents of change and and seeing the world with new eyes that we might see obstacles as possibilities. That we might see things that have caused frustration actually as opportunities to be closer to you, to be closer to others, to learn what you would have us learn. Help us in the midst of it all to get something out of the middle and not just be concerned about getting out of the middle. Thank you for being with us every step of the way. Thank you for giving us these people who also care about us and want to encourage us. Thank you for the people you will put in our midst who will do the same. We ask and thank you for all of this in your holy and precious name. Amen. You can take your seatbelt off. It was a doozy. May children and heirs of God's promise, we now pray for the church, the world, and for all those who are in need. I'll finish each prayer with, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer. Let us pray. God of courage, bless all leaders of your church, which means every single one of us. Make us ready to proclaim the gospel of peace and strengthen us to preach your loving word. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of creation, bless the fields and the orchards, protect the land from drought, and bring life-giving rain to support growth. Instruct your people in wise treatment of this world that you've provided for all of us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of community, bless all who seek justice between nations and peoples. Give guidance to bridge builders, heal divisions, and inspire cooperation in times of crisis. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, bless all who are in need this morning. Accompany all those who are lonely or feeling abandoned and encourage them, remind them of your abiding presence. Accompany all who are persecuted and exploited and open us to their cries. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of hope, bring peace into the hearts of those who feel stuck in the middle of whatever is life throwing our way. Calm our minds to look for the blessings and to the lessons that we might learn. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all of God's people say, Amen. At this time, I invite you to take your seats and uh, take out your communion kits to take out your bread and your grape juice or wine at home as we prepare our hearts to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. The body of Christ given for you. Amen. And again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, 
saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, and it's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me, the body of Christ shed for you. And at this time, I invite you to uh, just bow with me as we pray the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's good grace. And all of God's people say, Amen. Finally, I want to thank you for uh, prayerfully giving to King of Kings to support our ministries and amazing work that God has been doing through us, especially throughout this summer. It's just so exciting to see the difference your generosity is making in our lives and in the lives of those that we are coming in contact with. Lives are changing because of your support. So please know that every little bit makes a profound difference. I invite you to stand one foot. Well, no, before that. I know, it was close. I'm gonna, I'd get in trouble if I didn't do this, and I probably will forget the words because I've you know, not been practicing. But may you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Amen. Don't forget we got that ministry fair just around the corner. Just walk through. With all that, people of God, may you go in peace and share that good news. Thanks be to God.